Well, you know, those feelings really threw me for a loop. They were startling to me. I was confused and ashamed. I confused those feelings with who I am. Uh, my thought life was messed up. Uh, my thoughts, you know, became consumed by the other person, the woman. My heart wanted more of her to meet my selfish needs and longings for love and significance. I'm Sharon Betters, Executive Director of Mark Inc. Ministries. The vision of Mark Inc. Ministries is to create resources that offer help and hope to the hurting, especially those who feel alone in their struggles. One of our signature resources is our audio library that includes numerous interviews with people who transparently share their redemption stories of finding purpose and healing in a hard place in life. You can visit our website where you can download or listen for free these stories that address such life crises as loss of a loved one, sexual abuse, adultery, divorce, autistic spectrum disorders, raising a special needs child adoption, our coming home from war series, and many more. Today, I'm hosting an interview with Ellen Dykus, who serves with Harvest USA and her friend Donna. Donna will be sharing her own story of struggling with same-sex attraction and the impact of those feelings on her life. Welcome to Ellen and Donna. Ellen, tell us a little bit about your role with Harvest USA and what is Harvest USA? Oh, Harvest USA has been around for about 33 years. We started in Center City, Philadelphia, really that long ago as an outreach ministry to the gay community there. Over the years, we our ministry has really transformed in its mission into what we consider our twofold mission today, which is we want to offer the gospel of hope out to men and women, families impacted by sexual sin, and to equip the church to be able to do the same and to become redemptive communities for sexual strugglers. So in my role as women's ministry coordinator, I oversee all of our direct ministry to women that are needing help in this area personally, to wives who are in marriages impacted by sexual unfaithfulness, and then I participate in our teaching and equipping ministry. I'm excited about what you're doing, Ellen. It's such an important need in our today's culture. There's a lot out there that's very confusing for many people who want to be faithful to their own core values, but want to extend love and grace. And so I'm hoping that our interview today is going to help equip not only those who are struggling, but those who want to help. So why don't you introduce us to Donna? Sure. Yeah. And I just want to mention or agree with you that I think there is so much confusion within and without of the church. And the topic for today on same-sex attraction, it's definitely one of those where there has been so much confusion and I would say a swirl of different opinions and ideas. And so I'm really excited to be here with Donna, who's going to share some of her story. And so Donna, just to get us started, maybe you could give us a little overview of your life and kind of what your journey has been like just in a general sense. Sure. Uh, I've been married for 28 years. We have two adult children, a boy and a girl. I'm originally from the southern part of Virginia, born into a two-parent home, and have a sister nine years older than myself. I became a Christian when I was 12 years old through the Billy Graham Association. Well, as, as we have prepared for, we're going to be talking about um, same-sex attraction and your journey related to that area. So again, could you just give us a bit of a, an overview of what your experience has been related to this? 
Well, I feel that it's important to share that prior to marriage, I had some inappropriate relationships with other women of a sexual nature. I also think it's important to share that I did not have a close relationship with my mother and would always value quality time with other women. I believe this set me up to be taken advantage of sexually by some older women. Long story short, the women's athletic director at the college that I was attending befriended me and then made sexual advances towards me. Although I was taken back, I did not resist. I've had to ask myself why I did not resist. Looking back, I think it was because of the power differential, meaning I was the student athlete and she was the athletic director. I also um, had not thought ahead as to how I should react if placed in such a situation. And also, if I'm being brutally honest, although I had not thought about being in a sexual relationship with a woman, it did appeal to my desire for significance in the life of another older woman. The sexual relationship went on for close to a year. By the year's end, I was miserable and felt trapped. I was afraid to tell my parents and sister, afraid of what they might think and that they they might make me come home, and I didn't want to risk my career as a student athlete. I did eventually reach out for help to another woman who was attending the church that I was attending at the time. I was able to get out of the one relationship only to enter into another relationship of a sexual nature with this woman. Further complicating things was the fact that the first woman had now turned verbally abusive towards me. God, because of his great mercy, sent me help. I don't even remember how the circumstances occurred. I only remember sitting in the car with the new assistant coach, feeling like I had nothing to lose but to tell her what was going on. This person helped me get out of the mess, and it was a mess indeed. It was complicated, and I am so thankful to God for sending that coach my way. After all of that, I did not consider myself to be gay. That's powerful, that even in the midst of those experiences, that that wasn't an identity label that you were taking on yourself. And, you know, I just want to mention that in the years of walking with women who have wrestled anywhere in the spectrum of same-sex attraction, I've never met two women that have exactly the same story. And I think that's important for people to realize that we can have this sense that everyone's going to wrestle in a similar way, but it's not true. And just like with you, Donna, your, your journey was unique to you. But I think it's curious that even in the midst of having had those encounters and experiences that you didn't assume or identify yourself as a gay woman. Why, why is that? Well, you know, I was a Christian. I always held to the biblical view of sexuality and that homosexuality was wrong. And in my heart, I knew it was wrong. I just knew it was wrong. I guess my desire for significance and having an exclusive relationship with another woman overrode my convictions. It wasn't until later after I was married that I thought I must be gay. I found myself having quote-unquote wrong feelings for a couple of women. I did not have these kinds of feelings for the women previously mentioned. Hmm. Okay, so so something really shifted then. You know, you had these feelings after marriage to your husband, obviously. Can you share a little bit more about what were those changes or what had shifted even in your understanding that now led you to consider, you know, this is who I am. I, I must be a gay woman. Well, you know, those feelings really threw me for a loop. They were startling to me. I was confused and ashamed. I confused those feelings with who I am. I failed to realize that my same-sex attraction was a disordered desire due to the fall. Uh, My thought life was messed up. 
Uh, my thoughts, you know, became consumed by the other person, the woman. My heart wanted more of her to meet my selfish needs and longings for love and significance. And, you know, I know this isn't what God had intended for me. You know, you, you talk about those desires getting off track. Um, and, you know, in today's world, we see that happening as well, except people are just kind of going with it and saying, this is who I am. Is there a scripture that has been particularly, I don't know, helpful or reorienting for your heart in understanding how those desires, really, not only in your situation, but all of us have desires that get off track. Like, what would be a scripture that has helped you think about that? Yeah, Jeremiah 2.13 became a reality in my life. It reads, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. If I'm not getting what I need from God, my adulterous heart ends up worshiping the created women instead of the creator. And, you know, I, that's something I relate to, and probably every person does, that we all, because of our sinful nature, have a, a tendency to replace the creator with some form of creation. It might be a person of your same gender. It might be the opposite gender. It might be food or this or that. And I think what you've said is just a good reminder that we really are all much more alike than different. We're all needy of Jesus. And so in your journey as a disciple of Jesus, Donna, uh, tell us how your faith made a difference in how you began to change, how you began to grow, uh, and, and what did change look like for you? Well, change for me was kick-started by suffering, as much as I hate to admit it. Um, the counselor I was seeing, who I had developed the quote-unquote wrong feelings for, gave notice and she resigned. It was the best thing that could have happened to me, although extremely difficult at the time. I would have continued to see her indefinitely. I was married at the time, and I had sought out counseling for a work-related issue. I had become emotionally dependent upon her. Here we go again, another enslaving relationship, worshiping a person and not the Creator. My needy heart wanted her to meet the needs that only Christ could fill, needs of love, nurturance, and significance. I was in crisis. In my hopelessness and deep depression, I decided to turn to God. I began to cry out to God day after day, bearing all of my pain and shame to Him, which prompted me to reach out to Harvest USA for help with my confusion surrounding same-sex attraction. You know, I, I love that, that because of that grounding that you had in the Lord, really in the midst of all this, that you were able to cry out to Him and you were able even to reach out to, to others for help. And you know, yeah, thankfully, uh, I, I got to be a part of that journey in light of Harvest USA. So what what was God doing? What was he teaching you, Donna, about not just your desires, but how you needed help at the heart level? Well, you know, Harvest USA helped me understand how my heart, desires, and life circumstances concocted a recipe for the same-sex attraction I had been experiencing. They also helped me to understand how change is possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. You know, my relationship with Jesus, going to Him for what I need, has been the most helpful in my journey. In those most difficult times, I didn't even have words to put into my prayers. I would just sit in His presence, asking Him to hold me and help me. My favorite verse comes out of those times, Zephaniah 3.17. He quiets me with His love. That's what He did. It's his his kindness that leads us to repentance. It, it led me to true repentance. You know, also what was really important 
in this journey has been immersing myself in God's Word, a process of applying God's Word to life's problems, which would include thought patterns. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have a disciplined mind. I am amazed at God's goodness and power to change my heart. I now have a heart that is fully devoted to Him. I no longer struggle with those quote-unquote wrong feelings. However, I also realize that my heart is prone to wander. Therefore, as Scripture states, I do regularly guard my heart and mind. I needed to know God loved me. I needed the truth of God's Word to dispel the lies and bring clarity. Change has certainly been a process for me. Alan, when you, um, as we talk about, as Donna shares this struggle with uh, her, her, um, how God created her and femininity and what the culture says, and, and you've talked with so many women in your own life, what, what would you say are some of the greatest struggles that women who are struggling with same-sex attraction experience emotionally? Well, you know, again, I want to reiterate that each each woman's story is unique, but there are common common threads that you often see. And I think, you know, Donna's brought up one of those is sometimes there's a sense of gender confusion or, you know, that's called all sorts of things today. But I would just put it this way is that some women just don't feel comfortable in being the girl or the young woman or the woman that they feel like they're supposed to be. There's something about their experience where they feel like they they feel other. And so mysteriously in the way that our hearts work, that can actually lead someone to have a longing or a yearning for connection with their same gender when they don't feel like they fit in. And so along with that, I think uh, I've heard so many women talk about the angst, the emotional anguish of what does this mean? Like I want to fit in, but I don't fit in. And yet there's this yearning, a craving for emotional connection with other women. There is a deep longing, um, I, I like to put it this way, to find an emotional home in another woman because in their peer relationships um, and, and other types of relationships with other women, they just haven't felt like they fit in. Don, one of the things you mentioned is how your process of change was just that, a process. And something I've shared with so many women is something that I heard once is that our our growth into Christ-likeness is actually much more like a crock pot than a microwave. And I love instant, easy change. But more often, that process is really a, it's a long, slow simmer in God's grace. That's how I like to put it. And I think your story is, is one example of that. And something we've not um, really touched on yet is, is your marriage. You've been married, as you said, for 28 years to a good man. And I want to just start here because some people would be listening to this and they would say, Donna, you're not being true to yourself. You know, and, and even recently in, in, um, in the news, there's a story of a Christian leader a man who, like you, has had attractions towards men, um, but he loves the Lord. He found a woman he loved and he married. They have children. And now he is saying, you know what? I need to be true to myself. So he and his wife are divorcing and they may have gotten divorced already. And he, he is saying, this is who God made me to be. I need to be true to myself. And so how would you respond to that? Um, people might look at you. People might be listening to this and say, Donna, you're not being true to yourself. You know, you can talk about Jesus all you want, but you had these relationships with women. You considered yourself to be gay at one time. You're not being true to yourself and being married. How would you respond to that? Well, like, like I just mentioned, I needed the truth of God's Word to dispel the lies and bring clarity. I'm not suppressing issues related to same-sex attraction. Rather, just like any other Christian, I am becoming more like Christ, becoming who I was meant to be. I love my husband. Day by day, I am seeking to be faithful to him, being attracted to him alone. By the way, I do believe that he is the cutest man alive. 
And I I love what you just said that you are seeking. I mean, you are attracted to your your husband, and you're seeking to be faithful to him day by day. And I love that because so often I think we can say that heterosexuality is this generalized attraction to the opposite gender, and that's the goal. And, and that is not a biblical concept. Actually, holiness in God's design is that if someone would marry, that they would be spousal sexual, that that person would be devoted to have an emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual attraction towards the one person that God has brought them into marriage with. And that's been your experience. Even as you've had these past experiences with women, as you just said, you are attracted to your husband and are seeking to cultivate faithfulness in that relationship. And, and, I, and I know your husband. He is a good man. And it's definitely been a joy to see the changes and growth that God's brought about in your relationship to him. Uh, but also, I, I want to just I want to ask you this. Like, what have you learned in light of the, the really the sinful relationships you've had with women? What have you learned about what it means to have godly friendships with women, younger and older, what does that look like now in your life? Well, in order for there to be godly relationships, Christ must be central. Uh, we both are moving in the direction of becoming more like Christ. We are spurring one another on in our faith. And I love how you say Christ being central. And, you know, again, there, there may be people listening who are just trying to figure out how does Jesus even fit in with all this sexuality stuff, much less my same-sex attraction. There may be women um, that are saying that. And you know, I just want to say to any any women that are listening that that's your situation is I want to just promise you based on, on the Bible's word, I want to promise this to you based on what scripture says is that Jesus loves you and he may be an unknown reality to you right now. And your next step, even in listening to this interview, might be to just seek out, not first something related to your sexuality, but who is Jesus? And, and what does the Bible say about this? And Mark Inc. is one of those resources that you could reach out to to just find more biblical answers about who Jesus Christ is. So sorry to interrupt you there, Donna, but yeah. So what, what else would you say about just what you've learned about godly friendships with women? Oh, the godly women in my life have further shown me God's sacrificial love. I know they have sacrificed their time for me when I've needed them. And for that, I am forever grateful. He has used these women to help me trust again. In turn, uh, my dependence on Christ has freed me to love them. These women also hold me accountable. They will call me out on issues if need be, mm -hmm. which helps me to grow and understand myself better. Donna, you just mentioned that a part of a part of those godly friendships, which I need, and I'm sure you need too, Sharon, yes, is having people that would call you out on, on certain issues. And I love that you mentioned that because that is something that for anybody, um, any woman in particular, that maybe is wrestling in their relationships with women. They're, it's a overly connected friendship. Maybe it's become romanticized. Maybe it's become sexualized. Growing in godly relationships with women is going to mean that you that you do reach out for help, uh, that you have people that are knowing you in these circumstances, uh, that you're actually what I love how one friend has said to me of Ellen, you've got meddling rights in my life. You can ask me any hard question. And that's definitely an aspect for any of us to have godly relationships is people that uh, are going to say the hard things to us in love to help pull us back on track in a sense. And that absolutely r relates to 
relationships um, where maybe we're feeling tempted in a way to go outside the bounds of what God's word is. So I'm, I'm so thankful that you've given some examples of that in your own life. Um, I want to I want to just ask you this though. Uh, you know, you and I are about the same age, and things have definitely changed culturally from from what it was when we were in college thirty years ago. And there may be college age women or young adult women that are listening, and they're in the throes of a culture that is celebrating homosexuality, that is affirming it in every possible way, and in fact, in saying that you are so limiting yourself if you don't even consider you might be bisexual. And so, you know, Donna, as you as you look back on your your past and think about maybe a, a 20 year old an 18 year old girl that is listening to this that even is in a situation like you were back in college like what, what would you say to them how, how would you speak as an older sister to somebody that's in your shoes 30 years ago well I would encourage her to walk in the light like first John uh, chapter 1 verse 7 states, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I spent such a long time, wasted so much time in hiding. So I would strongly encourage her to come out and ask for help. She just needs to reach out and get that help that she needs to clear up any confusion that she may have concerning same-sex attraction and to be able to look at her her life, her situation, through what the Scripture says about her. Uh, I would also encourage her to cultivate her relationship with Christ, of course, and to get connected with other believing sisters. Uh, we don't tend to grow and flourish in isolation. It would also be important to continue to develop godly relationships with accountability built in. And just like Ellen was talking about, we all need it. And due to my past issues, I would also encourage her to think about how she might respond prior to being placed in a compromising situation to include fleeing temptation. You know, save yourself a lot of heartache and struggle by planning ahead. You know, those those are great words. And and I want to just add to that because... Sadly, and I would even say tragically so, even among professing Christians, the idea of being a, quote, gay Christian is increasingly being accepted and celebrated. And there may be Christian sisters that are listening to this, and they're saying, you know what, Donna? You know what, Ellen? Sharon? I hear what you're saying, but I have a lot of people in my life who love Jesus who are saying, go with it. This is who you are. This is who God even made you to be. And what I would say to that is scripture, when you truly study God's word. And again, if you if you need help out there, contact Mark Inc., contact Harvest USA. We would love to help you think this through biblically. We're not going to pound the table with the Bible, but scripture is actually very clear. And I know Sharon is, is given a, a big amen to this about God's design, about relationships and sexuality. And you've got to do a lot of theological gymnastics, actually, to make this work. And you know, Ellen, uh, I'm, I really appreciate what you're saying. As I follow some of the social media discussions and posts, I picked up one in particular, which I think hits on exactly what you're saying. This young woman who apparently as identifies herself as gay uh, wrote this. Why would we be allowed feelings that we could not act upon? Within reason, one sending a doll to another. That's just cruel. Feeling and attractions are just a part of our sexuality. They gear us up for finding our mate in life. So why would God design it that way and then tell someone, no, you can't find love 
You must fight your desires. And she goes on and says, the point to be made here is that LGBT attraction is not unwanted. It's just different. I agree that resisting destructive sexual desires is important, but how can you argue with someone who believes in God, follows him, has brought these same sex attractions to his feet and not heard that they're wrong. I trust that Jesus shapes us and molds us, and I firmly believe in what you say about following God is about picking up our own crosses and dying to ourselves. So I have to believe that if we are following him, he will guide us to what we must do. So when it was one gay Christian professing that God still loved him and was accepting of his life, I know that was hard to wrap your mind around. But when it is a whole community, that's a lot more difficult to say, no, you're all hearing the wrong thing from God. And that seems to be the, you know, the majority rules. What's your response? Yeah, well, two things. You know, this this phrase, gay Christian, is an interesting one. And Rosaria Butterfield, who I know... um, Mark Inc. is connected to, she says it beautifully. When you think about gay Christian, what is the purpose of an adjective? It's to limit the noun. And that is is sobering when you think about the idea of a gay Christian is saying, I am a Christian, but my Christianness is limited or defined by my gayness. And that is just not, that is not biblical, a biblical category. And so the other thing I would I would say in response to that, and Donna, your story has brought this out, that you had all these desires. You called them disordered. But in today's world, more and more, what rules our feelings, our experiences, our longings? And so the, the person that you just quoted in that, this ministry leader that I quoted, this man, they are all saying in one way or another that the most important thing about me is who I have desires for, who I'm a sex, who I'm sexually attracted to. Scripture never says that. In fact, Scripture says that every aspect of who we are, including our romantic feelings, our sexual temptations, our sexual desires, all of that has been impacted by the fall, and all of that is within the reach of Jesus and needs a reordering, a re defining. And so today it's it is very sad that people have just kind of gone down this slide, if I could put it that way, to say my feelings, that is my feelings and desires, that is the most important grid through which I'm going to interpret the rest of life including God, including the Bible. And so that's how people get to this place of saying God made me this way. Why would God give me these desires and then say he can't act on them? Surely he must be allowing me to do this. So I hope that makes sense. Is that kind of how you would put it? Yes, that is how I would put it. I think that it keeps coming back to is is the Bible true or not? Is God's word true or not? And that applies to so many things in life. Each one of us could say if God wants me happy, Therefore, how did this horrible thing happen to my life? God wants me happy. Therefore, I have this great sexual drive. I'm married, but he gave me this sex drive that I lust after other women or other men. Uh, So it must be okay, because that's the way I was created. God created me that way. And so how do you respond to that seems to be where our culture is leading us is what we're created, what we feel must be right. Yeah. And, you know, I could say I was born that way as an insecure woman. I mean, I have persistent cravings for people to accept me, applaud me, um, agree with me. But I wouldn't say this is just who I am, a people pleaser. I would say there's something 
internally that is off track, that is needy of reorientation. And somehow in kind of today's world, we've totally put sexual desires or romantic desires on a plane, on a We've elevated them to a place all of their own. And so just like what you said, Sharon, people say, this is what I feel. Surely it's okay. And and in fact, I had a friend uh, just last week tell me that she's got a, a Christian sister in her life who has started dating another Christian woman. And she is saying, God so clearly led me into this relationship. And Again, that's not limited to same-sex relationships. I mean, I've heard women say, married women say, but God so clearly led me to this other man. He loves me. He prays for me. My, my Christian husband isn't praying for me, so surely God has led me. Again, we got to think, what is driving those conclusions? My personal happiness, my feelings. And God isn't the cosmic killjoy, but he is holy. He has his design. Sin has impacted that. That's the beauty of bringing this back to Jesus Christ, the gospel that has hope for all of those areas, and really a reorientation of our thought life, which again, Donna, is something that in your story has been so powerful, the reorientation of your thought life. And, you know, speaking of thought life, too, I just think it would make sense to share that, you know, what we think about affects our feelings. And also... I think it, I would like to challenge um, folks out there, too, to, you know, go to the Lord with a heart that's fully surrendered to Him and commit these issues to prayer if you're, you're not persuaded that the Bible is, is true and speaks about these things in the way that these ladies have expressed it. I know for myself I've had to continually go to the Lord and I continually guard my heart and mind. And uh, again, remember, you know, it's what we think about that affects our feelings. Yeah, and I, I don't think we can underestimate the power. And I'm not saying this as like the big bad culture, but I don't think we can underestimate the influence that media, entertainment, even politics, and all these all these things that have become so gay affirming, to put it that way, that is very persuasive. And a lot of Again, professing Christian, professing Christian people are saying, you know what? This rings true. This sounds true. Um, so it must be true. But we must bring everything back to the beauty of a clear biblical lens. That leads me into a question that so many of my friends are asking right now. What about person whose son or daughter or good friend or niece or nephew or grandchild comes out? someone you love, someone who's kind and gentle and compassionate and tender and so many godly attributes, but says, I'm gay. How do you respond to those parents, those people who love them? Yeah, I would encourage them to seek out help and support, to not go it alone. And I would also uh, reaffirm that God is still on the throne and loves them and their child. And he goes after the lost sheep. Mm. And yeah, and, and I would add to that, that I've found in getting to know a lot of parents in the very situation that you're talking about, as well as aunts, uncles, and siblings, that is to remember 
that somehow God is up to something in your life through this. Somehow he's wanting to reveal himself to you, maybe challenge you, challenge a parent in their own biblical understanding. Um, I've, I've had a lot of parents who have, have come to me and, and said, my son just came out. My daughter just came out. Uh, my son or daughter has just announced their engagement to the person I thought was actually just their roommate. And so one of the questions after I get to hear their story and feelings will be, well, tell me about your biblical understanding of this issue. And I don't say that to challenge them or shame them, but that's actually a place that I think or a lot of us need to go first is what do we believe about this from a biblical or a better ways? What does scripture really say about this? But then I, I agree with what Donna said to reach out for, for help and the comfort that God wants to give and, and to pray that that parent is going to need a lot of courage and a lot of resolve because probably there are going to be some lines drawn in the sand, sadly so, with that relative, son, daughter, brother, or sister. I think what that person, that parent, grandparent wants is for you to say, and this is exactly how you should act. (laughs) (laughs) And I know I can't get anybody to say that, but I I, I appreciate so much what you're saying about it's an opportunity for the for the uh, parent, the grandparent, the relative, the friend to look at their own hearts Mm -hmm. and to see where does this life choice stand in scripture in relationship to other choices that we consider sinful? Is it the the crime of crimes or is it temptation like other temptations where there is still the hope and the help of the gospel to be applied to it. But then again, it's, but what now what do I do? What do I do about Christmas and um, holidays and inviting their significant other to come along and those kinds of questions? Yeah, and you know, I, I want to I want to mention in light of that that the ministry I serve with Harvest USA does have some what I think are excellent resources in the form of mini booklets that actually address a lot of those issues, um, such as when a child comes out taking on a gay identity, uh, when a son or daughter moves towards a, a ceremony. What do you do when you're invited to a, a wedding or a civil a civil ceremony? So I, I want to just mention that those are some resources available on our website. But some other things I, I want to mention are one of our our key phrases at Harvest for family members is a few key phrases, actually. One is uh, that this is a time where God is also giving you the grace to grieve your son or daughter's choices. Uh, like you said, I think a lot of people want, give me the five steps how to take care of this. It's probably going to be a long journey. And so God wants to give you comfort and the grace to grieve your son or daughter's choices, but also He wants to give you wisdom in how to cultivate what I like to call is a safe place that is a climate of grace for that son or daughter to come back to. And I guess that that's actually a part of the sober realization for a man or woman that is embracing a gay identity, that is moving into a relationship, perhaps even formalizing it through a ceremony according to the Lord's path their process of repentance is going to be very costly. Uh, There's a woman I've gotten to know who was with a woman for 23 years. A Christian woman met this woman when they were together in youth ministry, came together, they raised children together. And after 23 years, she says, Ellen, the Holy Spirit just woke me up one day and said, it's time to get out. Well, you, you can imagine her process of repentance has been so anguishing, so costly. And she said to me, Ellen, I had so many pastors that said to me, you do know this is sin, right? But I didn't have anybody telling me how to get out. I didn't have anyone offering comfort for my hurting heart. And that's something I really don't want us to miss today, that 
yes, homosexuality is a sin, but the gospel offers not only forgiveness, but comfort. And he gives that through us, his people. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've thought that too. And uh, and perhaps Christian people need this message more than others is that the anguish of this is not a life choice that people make uh, to go into a dark, they think they're going into the darkness and they're miserable and they have to get out of it. They're happy there. Something is working. It's, it's giving them purpose and pleasure in life and to them normalcy until the light of Christ shines and says there's something wrong here. And the anguish, I think that's the right word. And I, I believe that is something that we can offer in uh, the hope of the gospel is to say your heart is shattered and broken and Jesus says he can put it back together again. Mm-hmm. And we can offer that that help and hope of the gospel rather than condemnation. Yeah, rather than condemnation. And I would say uh, rather than fear and intimidation, you know, for for many people thinking about moving towards somebody like you, Donna, when you were in the throes of this in, in your situation, it could feel it could feel very intimidating. And I love what you brought out about how we can offer the comfort. And that's where the promise of scripture in Second Corinthians one, three and four, where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can com- comfort anybody and their afflictions. And that means we don't have to have the same experience to offer the comfort of Christ. So someone that's listening to this, you're thinking, I want to help, but I just don't get this area of struggle. But you have had struggles. You've had your own anguish. You've had your own loss and grief. And how might God want to use you, move you to give the comfort you've received to a same-sex struggling woman or man in your life? That's what Jesus gives us the ability to do. And and Donna, I think as we're talking about this, does that, does that resonate with you that in your own experiences as you are, like you say, coming into the light, was that a aha moment and, oh, everything's great now? Or was it, this is going to be hard? This is painful to yeah. give up these friendships, these relationships? It was the beginning of trouble, but it was worth the price of getting my heart right before the Lord where... You know, as the scripture says in First John 1, the, as he is in the light, we can't have fellowship with one another unless we're walking out into the light. My husband really didn't understand or know a big part of me until I came out into the light. It was hard, but I, you know, I would have remained in confusion. I needed help. I needed Harvest to, to help me figure these things out, to bring understanding. So yes, absolutely. Um, we need to be able to come out into the light. We can't live in isolation. We need one another. I think one of the missing pieces in especially the Christian world is an understanding of the anguish that a person who is trying to break free of a same-sex relationship goes through. Because often they're very content and happy up to a point in that relationship, and they, they genuinely love that person. Well, you're exactly right that whether a person is a person of faith or not, they've been in, they've been in a relationship or maybe a handful of relationships for reasons. They've been happy. It's fed something in them. It's nurtured them somehow or some way. And so that process of turning away from that or letting go of that is a loss that is anguishing. And that's why I think it's so important for us to be able to talk about the power of 
grieving with God's grace and comfort related to this, because for a a woman, and this would be true for a man as well, but for a woman, uh, like the woman I mentioned earlier, who'd been in a long-term relationship, that was like the breakup of a marriage for her. She'd been married for, or she, she had been with this woman for 23 years. But even if it's two years, even if it's six months, generally these relationships have been so connected, so sometimes very enmeshed, that turning away from that, the loss is very deep, very painful. This is where I think the gospel sings so loudly and beautifully because we have a Savior who has suffered and knows how to give comfort to hurting people, even when we are hurting because of our sin. And sometimes, I think as Christians, we're not very gracious about that. Well, you made your bed, now lie in it. And Jesus doesn't say that to us. He does call us to repent of our sin, to turn to him, to let go of it. But he is that tender shepherd comforting us in the process. I need that. You need that. And that's what we can offer to those who are seeking to walk away from same-sex relationships into holiness. And Donna, I think you brought that out too in your own story, where there were people who were ready to love you and embrace you and include you in their own community, their own family. And we need to be ready to do that. When someone is ready to break free, our doors need to be opened to give them a place, a safe place. Yes. And, and you know, there's a lot of talk these days about, you know, what is referred to as the LGBT community or the community of those that connect somehow with lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. And uh, something that is hard for us to understand is that there is a real community there where people have felt accepted, loved, a whole network of social uh, connections. And again, I think about another sister I got to know several years ago who um, had gotten very involved in what would be called a lesbian community. And she'd had one or two relationships. And then God got a hold of her heart, and she was willing to let go of that. And she actually moved from another state back up to Pennsylvania. And you know what she said, Sharon, was one of her biggest problems? Not lust towards women. She said, loneliness. Ellen, I'm so lonely. And this was a woman who was in her 40s. And she said, I just don't feel like I fit in with the women at my church. And I definitely don't want to bring this up at the women's Bible study. And yet she was walking a beautiful, courageous road of faithfulness. But it was costly for her. And it's it's ironic that one, to me, one of the gifts that God gives to us or calls us to is community, mm-hmm. that we should find that community in the believer's family rather than outside of that. And that's what I I agree. I think that um, the gay community is attractive because people are lonely and they find that kind of acceptance that really that should be our hallmark as believers. Yeah, I mean, that is so true. And I think that is an encouragement, but also an, an exhortation for all of us that name Jesus Christ is our not only Savior, but the Lord of our lives. As we're finishing up our time together, and I think we could talk all day, there's so much help and hope that we can offer through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ellen, I'd like for you to just take a couple of minutes to speak to that woman, that one woman who is struggling like Donna was struggling, and give her some help and hope, a few things that, practical things that she can do to find the help and hope that she's looking for right now. Yeah, well, the, the first thing I would say to you is that regardless of what you've heard, regardless of what you've 
seen on social media. The God of heaven loves you. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, has everything you need for the comfort of your heart, for the reorientation of your heart, and even just to give you uh, courage to take the next step. So that's the first thing I want you to know, that you are loved and delighted in by the Lord. Along with that, though, it is important, and Donna has brought this out, that it is important for you to reach out for some help. And that may be a pastor. It may be a woman's ministry leader in your life. Uh, If you're not connected to any kind of a a church, uh, again, maybe it's contacting Mark Inc. or Harvest USA and just asking to have a conversation with somebody. Um, But you do need to reach out to help for somebody that is going to be able to speak to you from the truth of God's word. And again, we could talk about that for hours, but God's word is clear that same-sex romantic sexual relationships are not a part of his design. So reach out for help to someone that's going to help point you in that direction. The next thing I would say is if there are current situations, relational situations in your life where you are immersed in a sexual or emotional Um, enslaving relationship with somebody, I want to encourage you to take at least one step away. I'm not saying to just cut it off today, but I'm saying you need to take at least one step, one or two steps to add some space between you and this person, because that's where you're going to allow new space to be opened up in your heart to, I think, hear not just the words of God's truth about the right or wrongness, but his comfort and his love. And again, the resources that we have can help you in some of that. Um, and Mark Inc. may have resources that can help you as well. But most importantly, I want you to I want you to hear this. And I'm speaking to you specifically, any women out there, that God loves you, He has what you need, and it is possible to walk in a new path. This isn't who you are. Only Jesus has the right to declare who you are, and He calls you loved and cared for. And I would like to reiterate, He loves you. And as Jeremiah 29, 11 states, he has a good future for you and hope. I would encourage you to take a step of faith towards your God and know that he will meet you. You will not regret it. The life he has for you is far better. It's far better than a life filled with guilt and shame. I know I've been there. And on that note, I would like for us to close our time in prayer. Father, thank you for this time that we've had to talk about the help and hope of the gospel. I thank you for Donna and her transparency and her heart to um, really say clearly that you offer a love that transcends any guilt or shame that we might be carrying, whether it is because of same-sex attraction or relationships or any other struggle in our lives, that you offer comfort and encouragement and strength in ways that might seem impossible to some who are listening right now. And Lord, we do pray for that one person who is listening and saying, that's good for you, but it's too late for me. I pray, Father, that they have heard the hope that it's never too late and that your redemption is for them. I thank you for Ellen and for Harvest USA and for the many, many people who have found purpose and the reality of the gospel as a result of this amazing outreach. We pray, Father, for you to continue to guide our thoughts to give us the help and the hope of the gospel in every moment of our lives. 
In your name I pray, amen. This moving and informative interview was produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. To contact Mark Inc. Ministries for more information on other resources, call us toll-free at 877-MARK-INC. That's 877-627-5462. Visit us online at markinc.org to see what other free resources are available from Mark Inc. Ministries. Our message today comes from the Learning to See When the Lights Go Out series and is designed to offer help and hope to those who have been struck by the pain from a variety of sources. If you or someone you know or love is struggling, you are likely to find a Mark Inc. Ministries resource on that topic to offer a bit of hope to that pain. That website again is markinc.org. You can also contact Chuck and Sharon Betters in care of Mark Inc. Ministries at 2880 Summit Bridge Road, Bear, Delaware, 19701. Mark Inc. Ministries, making abundant riches known in the name of Christ.